That's enough, boys and girls. That's enough. The X-Men have today done an incredibly brave thing. They have once again proved to humanity exactly why they need us, people like yourselves. The President sends his regards, as well as his heartfelt gratitude. And as for myself, I've never been prouder. Enjoy yourselves. You certainly deserve it. In fact, you all do. No more class at the end of the day. Gene? Gave us quite a scare up there. How are you feeling? Uh, actually, I feel fine. Hank? Yeah. Would you take a look at Jean? Standard medical for anyone injured in the field. Thank you. You know, the president was almost sending his condolences. She should be dead. Thankfully, she's not. Expect me to talk? Hello, and welcome to episode 221 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm Becca, and as always, joined by my fellow hosts, Chris and Dave. Just want to say thank you so much for waiting. So sorry for the delay. How are you both? Are you well? Uh, good evening, folks. Yes, I'm well. I, I normally just stop at good evening, folks, but it has been a very long time. It, it, Becca's taken sort of all the sort of responsibility for it. It was a bit of all of us, to be fair. Uh, Becca, it was work-related, but Chris has had a lot of shifts, and I've sort of been studying for like a re-accreditation of sort of a professional qualification I've got. So, we, to be honest, whilst I probably could have made recordings, I've not been pushing too hard because it's actually suited me not to be doing them. Uh, but we are back now, and towards the end of the episode, we'll get more into what's coming next for, from us. Yes, sorry for the delay, folks. And uh, we'll be back in, in well, the new year with a, a more regular schedule, for sure. Yeah, we, we're probably oh, sure. only we're probably going to record twice more in December, but we'll, we'll see. Okay, because um, we're recording this on the 11th, uh, we did just finish off Logan tonight, um, so you'll get two episodes fairly close together, but you may actually be listening to this on YouTube because we've changed uh, our platform. We've moved over to Podbean, and there's an upload limit, and we've got, you know, 250, you know, 200 and whatever it is episodes in the bank to Yeah, can only, do too, only too many at a time, can't we? So. Yeah, so that's the issue there. But uh, thank you for Podbean for having us, we are very grateful. Um, but yeah, we'll have to kind of upload in a Yeah, time. I'm sure they're grateful accepting my money. You know, so. Yeah, it's <laughs> the main thing. Yeah. Okay, so um, the only problem when you do have long delays is series get really drawn out, and um, we're probably past the peak of this series now, but obviously we're still on the same series. What are we covering tonight, Becca? So yes, tonight we are reaching the tail end of our X-Men review series as we review X-Men Dark Phoenix, starring James McAvoy. I just realised I spelled his name wrong. Um, Jessica Chastain, Michael Fassbender, Sophie Turner, Ty Sheridan and many more. The original music by Hans Zimmer, script by Simon Kinberg, directed by Simon Kinberg. Write the theme tune, write the theme tune, write the theme tune. Um, released in 2019. I got a good idea. Just you. Because <laughs> all he used to do was the minder <laughs> theme, wasn't he? Yeah. Just uh, You'll be so good for X-Men. 
yeah, okay. Uh, that's a Little Britain reference for anyone not in this country. Uh, bad enough to call Dennis Waterman, but you would not get the joke if you've not seen any of that before. No, if you've not seen the series, it's, um, it's very, probably very outdated now. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's cleaner it, jokes that you can well, tell. Actually, the show just got me thinking. It's, thing, a sh- it's a shame Dennis Waterman wasn't in this film. Yeah. yeah well, once, upon, once upon a time, he could have played like a Wolverine. Definitely. You know, as a younger man. You know, the scrappier version. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Um, okay, so um, background with this film. I, I really... It's going to be a bit more impressionistic because I haven't read around the, the entire history of it. But from memory, this was originally going to be Brian Singer again. I was... He stepped out because of the various rumours about his private life. You can sort of get elsewhere if you wish. I don't feel the need to go into it here. Um, but he's not going to be... It's safe to say he's not going to be voicing Foghorn Leghorn neither. There does seem to be like a remarkable amount of um, yeah. this kind of thing happening a lot in, in, in the Hollywood studio, isn't it? Well, it, it, it's his productions as well, because uh, he directed Kevin <laughs> Spacey. I, 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 Gabriel Burns cleaning his uh, internet history as we speak. But it was meant to be it was meant to be Brian Singer again. Well, after Apocalypse, which from memory, because it's a long time ago, we recorded it. I think I had a bit of a better time with it this time, but certainly I think it's very much lesser X Men, um, and bits of it were kind of sloppy. And one of the things I am comfortable talking about with uh, Brian Singer is he does have a habit of issues during productions like um, disappearing for a while or you know lateness and things like that I mean he, he disappeared from Bohemian Rhapsody and was fired so um, and I thought Apocalypse and I don't think I mentioned this during the podcast but I think Apocalypse wore some of the scars of that I just think it was quite lazy in places a bit of that'll do in the quality <clears throat> control so I wasn't too worried when he disappeared but then they said Simon Kinberg was coming in well Simon Kinberg has been sort of a producer on a lot and a writer on a lot um, but he wrote The Last Stand um, and he seemed to be ready to make the same film again and I just thought it was it was a sign of a studio to me that had kind of lost interest, they're still happy to take the money for these films but it's like oh yeah just let him make it whatever uh, by now Marvel was in full swing, this is of course the year that um, I think this is the year Civil War came out, certainly in the planning stages where probably around sort of Winter Soldier sort of time probably and so the the problem with that is, of course, that um, I, I think Fox probably kind of knew that their sort of goose was cooked on this by now. And then, of course, two factors that really put me off it. Well, three. One is Simon Kinberg. Another one is, I suppose, four, because another one would be Apocalypse. It was so bad that I thought this might now be a bit re- beyond redemption. I think the third factor was Sophie Turner, because... I think I've said before that she kind of suited her role in Game of Thrones as far as I watched it. But I thought she was terrible in Apocalypse. I thought she was so bland. So I thought for her to lead the film, that gives me a bit of a concern. They were also going to come forward another 10 years. And I thought this is ridiculous. You got them aging like 30, 30 years in about 
six or seven years in filming terms. And the final thing that really, really put me off this was the constant delays and, and constant... Now, we know with Marvel, things like um, reshoots are part of the schedule. So I don't think reshoots on their own tell you anything. But I think with this film, it was it was fire. It felt like severe firefighting, and so I went to this with absolutely uh, no expectations whatsoever. In fact, I was expecting a bad time. Whereas something like Apocalypse and even um, and the Last Stand to some degree, although it was Brett Ratner, um, and certainly the uh, X Men Origins Wolverine, when they hadn't been very good. I was a bit surprised in all cases because Gavin Hood, who had made like some quite arty films before X-Men Origins, uh, Days of Future Past had been pretty good. You know, there were things about those films that you could quite under you could quite expect that the the end result would be pretty good. I think here this is the first X-Men film I ever went into expecting it to be utterly dreadful, and I'll get to my first thoughts in a minute. What did you guys sort of think in the build up to this? Becca, you know, do you want to go first? Um, yeah, I, this is probably one of the first, one of the few films I didn't see upon release. I think I was at the time, so it would have been friends, some of which were, you know, had obviously grown up with reading the comics and were big fans of the films. Um, I sort of read sort of reviews around it and was a little bit like, mm, not too sure to see this, but I sort of diehard friends at the time went to go and see it and were like, don't waste your money. Um, so I literally didn't see this film until we came to review it for the podcast. Um, so yes, I do. I managed to avoid all hype for it. Um, I'm sadly not familiar with Sophie Turner um, in terms of Game of Thrones because I've only ever seen the first series, although I've read all the books. Um, I mean, she yeah, was in, in the, the first the previous... series. She yeah, sounds the yeah. yeah. Well, this is a um, uh, yeah. I kind of I would agree with you, David, a little bit. She was, you know, tried to stand out, but yeah, she was a little bit bland, definitely. Um, I'm not that familiar with her. I must check out. Um, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Um, previous films. Um, I mean, I, I haven't, you know, having seen the film, I, it looks impressive. The best thing that kind of stood out for me, really, was which I'll probably say again at, at the end, it was it was more like the visuals and the effects more than anything. Um, you've kind of got that sort of love-hate, sort of frenemy almost um, between Magneto and Xavier, as you know, as, as we know. Um, and it's good to kind of see, you know, some of the younger characters coming through again. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I just, I managed to avoid it at the cinema and, you know, haven't really seen it until now. Um, so it's a bit of almost unknown quantity for me, but it's one that didn't really blow me away, I'm sorry to say. So. That will count as your first thoughts as well, then, really, Becca? You yeah, so, yeah sorry to mash up the two as I, as I tend no, to do, but yeah, that's kind sorry. of like my first initial and final. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, it's kind of, it, in a way, it, it was kind of screwed from the get-go. Because it kind of it came in at the tail end of uh, Apocalypse, which I think was, should we say, everyone's just getting a little bit tired of the of the franchise um, at, at this point. I think. And Marvel were absolutely at their peak at this stage. I would say Marvel. Are, yeah. On, I, on on early sort of phase four evidence, I think Marvel might be slightly past their peak now, but they were well Marvel at fatigue. their peak in the middle. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I remember. Um, when Apocalypse came out, that there was mumblings of superhero fatigue in general. But then again, mm. we have Marvel in full swing. It could well be that people just like, right, well, we'll wait and wait, we'll see Endgame essentially. Mm. Um, and then, and then uh, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll, we'll, I think we'll see legacy, what I think the other there's another factor to that, and I think bear in mind this film, not this film, but Apocalypse came out in 2016. 
Well, in that year, um, Sony had given up the ghost on Spider-Man. They hadn't given up. They still own Spider-Man. But they went, sod it, let Marvel do some of the heavy lifting and let's make it part of the same mm. universe. And I think that did harm the sort of legacy Marvel based at other studios properties because I think people were like Apocalypse was crap, this has been delayed loads, give it up, give it back to Marvel and I, I think people were like, they, they knew we were getting to the end with this Yeah, I think um, I I don't know, there, there was just a vibe and I think maybe, I think it might be more specifically cause, because you know, how, how many X-Men movies this now um, maybe people just was. Like, I think this is I think if you count all the spin-offs this is about I think 10 g- given you had Marvel and they, they were being consistently bringing out sort of superhero stuff and mm. and they were, they were to a degree of more consistent quality that um, I think I don't, I don't think there was, there was much enthusiasm I think you know, Batman versus Superman it was this year as well, so there was still, you know, thinking before it came out. Anyway, certainly there were there was some enthusiasm that all right, DC might be getting their act together now, and you just think like this marketplace is crowded if all the other studios want to make their versions. Yeah, and given the fact that this is now the second Dark Phoenix movie, mm. she was written by the same guy, which is just kind of, which is I suppose at one level it's interesting because. On, on... It is quite different. I think the the one thing I'll say, and I, reading about this film some time back, I don't remember the trailer for it. I really don't. I, I, I have a memory of remembering it, if you know what I mm. mean. And that I know I saw it, and I know there were things in it I had opinions about, but I don't remember that experience now. But I know that there was worry that they'd marketed it incorrectly and that they left out all the cosmic elements. And it literally did just look like they were doing Dark Phoenix, uh, not Dark Phoenix, like they were doing The Last Stand again. And that's not helpful. Yeah, it, I think it was screwed from the get-go. There was like just lack of interest, think, lack of like interest in making it. Um, I think maybe like there was maybe a few few people like, actually turned up to you know to give the old college try. I think um, you know McAvoy and that did competent stuff. You know, I think, um, but. You know, I think there was there was, there was no real interest. Uh, it got screwed with in reproduction, got messed around big time. Uh, it got it got edited to high shit. Um, no one really sort of could decide on what seems to on, on what they were doing with it. I mean, the, the I mean, at one point, weren't the villains most supposed to be like um, scrolls, and then that 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 got changed to some other alien race, um, and. Again, you know, you can just feel like the film, the whole film itself is just highly edited. Um, and in a way, it's, it was kind of compromised. Um, so in a way, I think it was just came out with lack of enthusiasm and no one really cared. And it was all just like, well, that's that, everyone. <laughs> Let's just get this over and done with. For for um, everyone involved, you know, audience as well. So um, yeah, there you have it. I think I think this is like, I think that's pretty much sums the film up really. Um, so uh, without getting into into first thoughts, what do you think, Dave? Um, well, I, I remember reviewing it at the time, and I I, I broadly said at the outset of the series that um, uh, I, I I can more or less put the X Men films to this point into three distinct camps of three 
you know the, the first nine films in the you know I, I think for me um, first first class um, in no particular order by the way first class uh, Logan X2 uh, sort of the good ones the very good ones sorry yeah very good ones good to great uh, I would say X-Men The Wolverine and I think I said Days of Future Past in no particular order are the good mm. ones with which I might have some issues but they're good and then sort of Apocalypse X-Men Origins Wolverine and The Last Stand are just garbage they're just crap and I fully expected this to sort of join the same tier yeah and I, I think it kind of sits in a little pocket all of its own. I remember giving it a three-star review, but that was really damn it with faint praise. It was a very... It was, it was a generous three, because I just thought a two was harsh. But I was factoring in things like production history and all the problems they had with it. I was It was kind of a three for effort, really. Um, and it, it to say it pleasantly surprised me would be a massive overstatement, but I didn't think it was garbage, but I didn't think it was particularly good either but I couldn't point to anything in it that it was terrible outside of the things we've complained about with all of them, including the good ones like continuity and so on. I mean, we know days of future past has a quote unquote present day or near future scene with Charles still running the school and everything else. Well, that's not the case here. And it's, it is literally the same timeline they, you know, he's, he, he retired in the nineties. So, um, I mean, their issues will come to as we deal with them. So there's the, the same general lack of care for the property. But on the plus side, I thought everyone was pretty good in it. It's amazing how quickly uh, Michael Fassbender's due to age over the eight years that follows this film. Um, I thought they massively, massively wasted Jessica Chastain. Uh, there was a couple of interesting things in the way she played the part, but I thought they wasted them. There were a couple of set pieces that I thought were unintentionally funny, so there were things I didn't like about it. But I liked most people in it. I thought Sophie Turner was a hell of a lot better than she'd been in Apocalypse. It's not great. It ain't terrible. I got through it. It wasn't. I didn't feel cheated out of my money. It was an okay, you know, night at the cinema at the time. And watching it again, I felt the same about it. It all feels very perfunctory. I, I honestly mean that if the site I write for did half stars, it would have got two and a half. But I tend mm. to give the benefit and, and round up because that's just cruel to round down. That just doesn't seem fair. It's a two and a half. Star oh, film. almost feels a bit of a cop out as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's a two and a half star film. To be honest with you, it, you know, three is is almost g generous. But I can't I can't find the silver bullet that knocks it down into the sort of dreck. Um, but, mm. I, but I must say, I didn't have an amazing time with it this time. I thought there were some nice things about it. Well, there were some things about it that weren't so good, and we'll get to them. Uh, there were bits of this film I thought he did surprisingly well. I thought he did a pretty good job in the director's chair, funnily enough. Ironically, given he's a writer by trade, I think this is a better directed film than written. Um, certainly the first time round, and less so this time, I had real problems with some of the dialogue in it. Some, some of Xavier's dialogue was not very Xavier and I did feel like um, McAvoy was struggling with it a little bit um, and what I would say is there's a relative lack of plot here I'm surprised it runs to 114 minutes it's actually quite a slight film but if mm. you're gonna if you're gonna have a definitive ending to the series because New Mutants is its own thing if you're gonna have a definitive end to this incarnation I think the sort of way it finished the final scene was like, yeah, that, that's a nice little full stop for it. it. This wasn't your best entry, but you didn't really fumble. You didn't come out to the worst of your standard. So on that logic of the first 10 X-Men films, I'd probably have it at about number seven. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of in the in, in the middle um, of the. But of, in the middle of, implies like the Wolverine or the first X Men film, and I don't think it's as good as either of them. Yeah, and it's certainly not a Days of Future Past. So, because I'm a bit more generous with Apocalypse than than anyone here, yeah. if I remember. Yeah, um, yeah, you were. And and I think and I think I'm kind of feel similar to this in the fact that you know I in, in one way I I, I appreciate. Because I, I look at it, I think right, okay, you've it, it, it's cut to shit, and what you have is basically like the bare bones of 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 a story. Essentially, yeah. What you've got is competent, basically, for the most part. Yeah. But competent, but then, competent well, was a win after everything they went through. Well, the, the, the funny thing is, though, it's like it, it was actually kind of it reminded me how like how bloated a lot of um, these movies are these days, and how really you, you know you, you don't really need much just to. Uh, make a movie you're just like well you just well just get on with it you don't you can just rattle through i mean yeah fine you might have you can maybe have like a few scenes that sort of um stay in the moment longer or or or, or maybe just a few sort of touches up of like plot development that, that that ties it all up a bit better but you know but the same it it, it was kind of odd how like the how it, how it was how the film was basically gutted almost kind of in a way made it a better film um than it probably ever was going to be because it, it 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 just it just didn't sort of dwell on any of the nonsense it just got on with it um that being said there isn't as you said it there's not a lot to it um so i think it's it's either or um you know can, can you have it both ways? Yeah, you could be, you probably could if you're more competent uh, filmmakers, I'm sure. But you know, there's nothing wrong with with uh, a bare bones sort of action uh, superhero adventure film, which we, we don't seem to get anymore. Um, no, every, every almost everything is now, I would say, pretty much objectively too long. Now, in this in this genre, certainly. Yeah. I mean, I went to see Eternals recently, and we'll review it one day because we've got some Marvel catching up to do. Maybe we'll do it between series next year. But you know, spoiler alert: I thought it was fucking terrible and way, way, way too long. Oh, yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll knock that bridge um, fairly shortly. I'm sure when, when we do a few catch up uh, episodes mm. <laughs> on Marvel. Um, but yeah, my God, that film rambled on. <laughs> that the fact describe that. That's my pre-season review of that. It rambled. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it you know, I, in a way, I kind of in, enjoyed. I, I, I enjoyed some of the performances, even though some actors just couldn't wait to get off set. Um, probably um, not, not, not naming names. Um, but I, I think for the most part, it was, it, it, it was, it was at least enjoyable. Had, had, had some nice. Moments, some nice touches. Uh, I think I, I actually thought uh, McAvoy did a did a good job of what he had. Hmm. I think he, you know, he, he 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 gave it like he gave it all. I think he tried to sort of like, uh, you know, he he he, he, he certainly um, gave it one hundred ten percent. You know, yeah. you know, I think and and fast bend is always reliable. Yeah. And I think I think most I think most of sort of like the young actors that um were were fine. Um so 
in in a way, it, you know, all, all I've got left is like it's fine. Um, Hans Zimmer score was well, it was Hans Zimmer score. Um, it's funny. It's almost like Hans Zimmer's reputation is dropping away the more he's sticking out boilerplate stuff all the time. Hans yeah. Zimmer was once really fresh and really impressive, and like if if your film had Hans Zimmer, you were like, oh, this this is going to be good. And it's like, yeah, I, I can't get excited about Hans Zimmer scores anymore, to be honest. He's certainly no. not a bad composer. That's not what I'm, I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I mean, to be honest, this is probably one of his better ones. Like, he has uh, had a, like a memorable theme to it, mm. rather than the usual sort of, you know, kind of thing. Um, which just sounds. I don't remember there being didgeridoo on any of his. <laughs> Can I have that as my ringtone, please? <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Do you know what I mean? Like his scores tend to be like a bunch of sounds. They tend to be fairly percussive and they've got good momentum in them, but it often lacks memorable themes. Um, yeah, so this kind of like had, uh, like, it, it was memorable, it had an energy to it that you kind of go, oh, okay, this is different than like the usual X-Men um, that we had before. Um, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, it, it, it's it's fine. I, I, you know, I think I think the stuff with the Dark Phoenix again, it kind of falls into the sort of if it, it it doesn't really. It, if again, it falls into like yeah, it's just some energy that's inside Gene. That that's it. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, if if you stop and think about it, it kind of like you think well, no, it's there's more to the story. It's like in, like introduced like. The film the contradicts the shit out of itself over it, though. Well, I mean, it, it I, does. I, I think the film is set up like because the fi- uh, as you're watching the film, you know, it all, it all is described as like I know some sort of energy thing that the bad guys want because it's quite powerful, and Gene Gene is able to maintain it, but it never explains why Gene is like or like. You know, goes all confused or has personality changes where she just goes all wrath of God and everyone. But it implies you know I mean? that this that it imp- it implies that the 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 energy is doing it. But the last film was doesn't explain it was a, why. Though. Well, yeah, but it was implying it was already there in the last film. So in that yeah. case, as it just amplified it. In which it, case, it there was imp- it, there was the implication that she was she always had a bit of a dual personality thing anyway and bear in mind yes the events have changed in order but they're still the same people who was in the, who were in that first x-men film and through the events of x2 and x3 this was something that came to her we we almost got the impression that it was almost like a puberty thing where you know when it came on he was aware that he had to sort of put blocks in her mind to stop this now it's an accident in space Giving her stuff that was strongly hinted at at the end of Apocalypse. In fact, she was she was getting towards full Dark Phoenix then. Yeah. So it is a bit confused, but you you kind of it, it's almost a churlish complaint at this point because Fox have shown they've shown the care to hire decent actors, spend good money on them, have good sets, some good people involved in it, but the, the level of quality control in this series and internal logic and everything it's just never been there it's just that it makes money just throw out whatever yeah um and yeah this is gonna fall back into hands of marvel now so god yeah. knows what's gonna happen um 
But yeah, no, I, I think I think that's all I'll say for now. Um, until we talk about sequentially. Uh, does anyone else have any any thoughts they want to uh, um, say before we do that? No, I, I, that's everything I want to say at the outset. Speak now, or forever hold your peace. Mm. Well, you know, that's go that far back, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. It's gone exactly at your groin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Mm. Yeah, should we delve into this film sequentially? Yeah. Oh my god, did I find it boring? Right. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think it was long enough for me to get really bored. It's just. Which I find always, it. Which, which is always a good thing because, you know, I, I think a lot of movies made that mistake by overstaying your welcome. Yeah, and sometimes you've got to yeah, be Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's either the runtime is like one hour 55, so it's a show of like two hours. It's, you know, yeah. runtime's okay. I just kind of, I just didn't really. I, Perhaps I wasn't in the mood, I don't know, but it didn't really grip me. I mean, what, what did kind of grip me, if anything? Um, obviously, you know, performances were all fantastic. Um, as you mentioned, kind of any faults will be like in the production, will be like in the script. Um, yeah, performances are great, some dialogue a little bit clunky, but I mean, the visuals actually I found the most engaging. I think it's probably one of the most prettiest films um, in the series. Um, and you can certainly see the evolution of, you know, how far the visuals and, and effects, you know, have come along in the series as well for a, a series that's pretty effects heavy. Um, but some of these, you know, I was blown away you know if anything by you know the visuals and the effects um and the sheer spectacles and the scope of it as well so there was even though i didn't really flaw. enjoy this film as much as i have done the others i was mm-hmm. still there's still lots to you know lots to impress me so the only flaw i saw in on the um on the effects was uh, on the big screen i didn't notice it on my tv the de-aging of uh xavier when he first meets gene didn't quite look right. It didn't look horrific either. It just didn't look quite yeah, right. Yeah, it was a bit kind of... A bit, mm, that is quite the, right. honestly the only flaw I can really pick. I think there's one. There's an aerial shot as well of, of the school, um, which apparently wasn't real at all. It's all CG. and a bit, you know, it, Otherwise, it, it looked fine. But to me, it just looked a little, little, little bit on the fake side. Um, okay, you can tell it's CG. That. But apart from that, yeah, maybe a couple of... You know, a couple of moments where you just think, oh, really? But uh, apart from that, yeah, for me, I think it's one of the. It's got some some of the best visuals, um, in out of the entire franchise, I think. Yeah, I can't dis- I can't disagree with that actually. It's uh, but I think what exacerbates that is um, the last film had some of the. It, it was behind its time in terms of effects, uh, because it was just. I think they rushed it a little bit like, and it's a good film, so it got away with it, but First Class had some iffy effects on the big screen. Oh, yes, yeah. Because they did it all in about 11 months. Um, so, yeah, there, there, were, there were... It was a step up from a film that kind of let itself down anyway. So we probably do need to get into the details, don't we? Yes, so, um, so where do we begin? We begin Stick with... some Glen Campbell on. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the first thing I would say is a, a modest criticism of, like, as much as I'm saying it's churlish to pick it like the inconsistencies in this series, it can break immersion and it can break attachment to the characters. We saw them in the original version picking up Gene. Now I know Days of Future Past is set before this film, so it, it, in terms of it's about 1973 and this is 75. <laughs> But presumably in the original timeline, her parents weren't killed in this fashion. I'm assuming. I don't know. Um, but she ends up with Xavier just the same. And I just think this lack of care to like in any sort of internal consistency 
just continually screams at you you're watching a film and more specifically a franchise because you're like all right that's the way they've decided to tell it this time rather Mm. than actually buying into what's happening having said that it's a pretty well done sequence mother and father are in the front of the car mum's driving uh jean who is presumably about i don't know if her age is given let's say let's say she's the same age as um famke jansen so let's say she's about 10 um she is um they're driving along one of these sort of country roads where where the Winter Soldier does his crimes on CCTV, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, I always thought I thought we were gonna sort of see him, you know, skulking along yeah. by the side of the road there in the background. But you um, know, it's it's amazing how like, you know, car crashes always happen in movies in these type of areas, isn't it? Yeah, they never happen. Yeah, it's very typical territory, proper. isn't it? It's, like, it, hmm. it's never a, a motorway, stroke highway. It's never a really busy road. Uh, it, it's never in the city. It's it's always no. a lone or car suburbs, on or... a country road until country road something somewhere. comes the other way. It's um, a little bit, it reminded me a little bit of, I can't remember which film it is, but it's one of those, um, oh my God, I just completely forgot. Um, well, it's, it's sort of a, very, a horror movie trope, isn't it, pretty much? It's kind of if there's going to be an accident or something, you know, the killer shows up, it's going to be a sort of lonely road like this. It's the sort of place um, where the accident would have taken place in misery. Yeah, something like that, very much. Yeah. Like a sort of thriller or horror movie. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't think of the name of the franchise. Never mind. But yeah, I mean, it was. Um, it, it's a decent sequence. But again, it's one of those things that's perfunctorily trying to remind us or show new viewers for the first time. Uh, how Jean ends up with um, discovering she's a mutant and also mm-hmm. um, ends up with Xavier. And what is happening is that um, she is changing channels with the power of her mind from the back seat. The film is not 100% clear on whether it's a choice or kind of something involuntary based on what she wants, but not necessarily what she wants to do. Or maybe the dark phoenix is in her. Yeah, well, is... the film isn't clear. No. But eventually she starts getting told off and she starts losing some she's talking to somebody in her head and um and it it knocks her mother out and then her mother kind mm-hmm. of swerves into the path of a of a truck, taking most of the impact on that side. The car is flipped and everything else, father's injured but survived. Um she's injured but survived, mother's killed outright. Oh, oh well, we don't, we, have, we don't know that the father survived at this point, do we? Sorry, we don't. That's absolutely correct. Par- at this stage, quote unquote, parents are killed, and she's picked up by uh, Xavier. Yeah. Um, who just explains he has a school and everything else, um, and that was the one ropey, eff- one of the ropey effects on the big screen. But it looks absolutely fine mm. on my television at home. And then we cut to present day, and there's a, a space a space launch endeavor. Space Shuttle. Yeah, uh, pres- well, present day is now 1992. Oh, yes, well. Um, so oh, so yeah, that kind of dates it then, doesn't it? So, well, I think, wasn't that the same year that, that the cartoon came out, 92, or was it 93? I think it was somewhere the, around, um, around the same... The legendary animated series that they yeah, had the multi colored costumes. It was around the same time as Batman the Animated Series. The, 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 the famous 90s Spider-Man incarnation was a couple of years after. Yes, so yeah. I wonder if it was around the same sort of time. I'm just literally going to Google it, so X-Men cartoon. The one that's recently going to come out next year, so it must there be. There is another one next year, 2022, yeah. so maybe it oh, was next also, year then. Um, for video game fans, um, you may remember, it was on the PS4 and remastered for the PS5. You had a Spider-Man game. 92 to uh, 97, there we go. It was, uh, there was a Spider-Man game from Insomniac Studios in 2018, which was also a launch release with a Miles Ooh. Morales spin-off in, at the start of this year. Um 
Insomniac announced a Spider-Man 2 game uh, a few weeks ago, where, which is going to have both those characters and Venom in it. But at the same time, they they have, they said in the same continuity, they're making a Wolverine video game for release around the same time. So all the games coming up. And there is a teaser online for that, uh, if anyone wants to look it up. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're 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 completely sort of unclear on this. I think he blocked the accident from her memory at all. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, this is we find this out later on. Mm. Uh, um, mm. He uh, mm. and we find out why. Yeah. Um, now the other problem I've got here, and again, it's minor, and uh, again. Part of me feels bad almost bringing it up because, as I say, continuity is not the major problems with any of these films. It's it's a major problem with them all, but it, it's not normally what determines whether a film's good or bad in the in the series. But you know, in two thousand, we got a film about X Men trying to live as normal people, uh, ish, and meeting with a, a large degree of um, skepticism and fear, and that went right the way uncertainty. through uncertainty. Yeah, uh, here. It's like hotline to Xavier, and it's like calling. It's like calling the fire brigade. Yeah, so yeah, they got a hotline, haven't they? Pretty much. I mean, you no, know, you know, no. I instantly thought of he's like he's got an X phone. It's like it's like the bat phone, but with, I thought it was a bat phone as well. <laughs> this scene, I kind of thought, right, he's obviously got a hotline to the bat phone. But then they get lauded with applause when they do anything. It's a bit corny, but it's okay. It was a little bit cheesy, wasn't it? Straight into the plot, though, you're right. The space shuttle, which is called Endeavour. As far as I know, there wasn't a real one called Endeavour. There would have been sort of discovery around this time. They should have called International Rescue. They called the wrong type of people. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. there actually is a space shuttle Endeavour. Um, well, they, they, they called uh, her uh, International in Rescue, but apparently they, they all add wood. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is, is there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, from uh, from 92. All right, indeed, I didn't fact, know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so obviously it's rewriting history here because obviously there was no issues with its first launch. Didn't, yeah. You know, the pilots all survived. There was and no, they didn't uh, send up some teenage girls to sort it out. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for start, I mean, for starters, right? Like, not only has the president got a hotline to Xavier, and it's like, yes, okay, well, cert- well, you know, certainly we'll sort it out for you. But since when has the X wing been able to go to space? Well, this is it exactly. <laughs> We've seen it. It's a real because plot. It's just they, they've just got to get through some perfunctory stuff to get her origin done. But I don't really understand why, because all it does is bring to mind the Fantastic Four. And to be honest, as she was at the end of Apocalypse, she could just be getting out of control by now. This story was actually, I wouldn't say the film was better, but the actual rationale was, was probably sander in The Last Stand. Hmm. This hit people with radiation is very much sort of 60s Marvel comic. They all got bitten or hit by something radioactive, didn't they? So, anyway, it's fine. They they go up to sort of stop. The the, the ship's been hit by a solar flare, they believe, and is out of control. And the X-Men go up in in their ordinary plane. With with Bistique in protest because she's a bit wary of Xavier now because he's mm, he, she's a bit he's kind sure. of loving the light. Well, she sees that he's, he's loving the limelight a bit too much. He's getting a bit like yeah. 
Bear in mind, this is the very reserved and studious Patrick Stewart, only eight years from now. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of, I, I struggled with that a little bit. I was like, well, that's quite a leap. I was like, well, how, how does he go from that to that in, in a short space of time? I was a little bit like, hmm. But I, I felt this was a little bit rushed, though, to be honest. They kind of had to cram a lot in to get to this point. But I'm, I'm trying not to complain too much during this film. Yeah. Um, you know, they've all got exactly the right skill set for what's needed. Um, so, you know, you've got Nightcrawler, they're able to do the sort of um, teleporting. And basically, uh, they, they, they all get back except Jean, who's out in space and relatively unaffected, apparently, mm-hmm. by the fact that she's in space. And she's hit by the blast, uh, takes a massive ton of radiation. They get her home. She seems okay. And they come home to the sort of, you know, it reminded me of the Simpsons episode where they gave like a big sort of parade to that bar that held the sort of door shut in the space episode. Remember that one back <laughs> where we went to space, they hit the, the, the bar. It was like that, but they get a parade for them. Um, big round of applause. And, and it, it, as I say, it's a bit cheesy, but there you go. It's fine. Yeah, they, 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 they land with a... With a... With load of fans, you know, like people saying like "yay," like as if they're like the, the, as if they're like One Direction or something like that. They're just... Yeah, it, it's it's the sort of thing you'd get in a they're, kids' film. They're basically the Backstreet Boys. In I the... don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> in, now, in that but... video. Well, thinking about it, there was a film in about 1985. Might have been before that. I can't remember. It had Leia Thompson in it called Space Camp. I don't know if you ever yes, saw Space Camp. Yes, I, I remember. Now, I remember yeah. bits of Space Camp. Like, I remember how they ended up launching and, cause, and how that all happened. And I remember them, you know, some of what they did. But I can't remember if they came back to some all this sort of, like, rah, rah, rah bollocks. It's a bit like the end of, like, Top Gun or something. It, it's very 80s, this kind of bit in films. And it's very sort of young adult kids film. Yeah. What are you going to do to celebrate? I'm going to Disneyland. <laughs> Effectively, the effect the effect of this is we we will learn about the mental blocks, and how she's effectively had all sort of pain withheld from her by um, by Xavier, and it's kind of a retcon of of X two stroke the last stand, in that the mental blocks you know the sort of scaffolding in her mind if you like or or walls in her mind if you like is better way to put it. That was there to sort of block off the Dark Phoenix character. Here, it's there to sort of block off her off from her mm. grief. And I don't buy any version of Xavier that would do this. I know she might feel responsible for her death, but dealing with grief... You don't deal with grief by pretending it never happened. I, I, I think there, there's no era where that's the case, even if we are a bit more open and touchy-feely now. I think you'd give it the most generous of takes. It would probably be like... She was too young at that time to deal with, like, to be able to, and well, also give, too give her those painful memories as an 18th birthday present. Then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah. you are correct in, uh, by all accounts. It's like you can't run, you can't run away from your um, from the truth, and uh, it's always going to come back. It's going to be worse. It's not the Xavier character for me. Whereas in the previous incarnation, well, same incarnation, different actor, different time he was doing it to protect her but protect everybody else as well he knew that there was something extremely powerful in there whereas this is we don't want the poor girl to think she you know her mum's dead or she killed her yeah but then he goes and does like um like we haven't mentioned it but like the reason why gene ends uh ends up getting um 
it absorbs this thing. Oh. So yeah, and it is um, is down to like basically he, he ordered like no go go back and save the 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 captain and like I was like he's like no you can do it no yeah, she she's capable yeah uh, whereas like. Mystique and it's also village. the fact that with him not able to walk, he's just sat at home in a mansion having like a yeah. brandy or something. It's like fucking easy for you to say off you go, lads. Yeah. Whereas like Mystique was like, no, we we we, we will do what we can, but first time first time we shit hitting the pan, we're get we're out there. And bear in mind they've saved all the crew except one. That's a pretty successful mission, considering how how they were literally about to die seconds later. Yeah. Yeah, um, so you two, it's like, no, that's that's you know. If you went up and saved one, they're in a better fucking condition than they yeah. were if you hadn't gone at all. Yeah. Ah oh, well, whatever. They need to but, get uh, but, yeah, no, but he, he pushed it because he, he, he wants to glow, and he also kind of <sighs> probably wants to encourage her to be like to reach their potential, I guess. But anyway. Um, do we move on to do we move on to the party? I'm presuming at some point we well, must meet um, we must meet Jessica Chastain. We, we have Raven who sort of um, you lashes out at uh, uh, Xavier, so there's tension with there. Um, she ma- she makes a very good point, saying the things that we've just said, kind of like making like sort of useful about um, all making complete sense. Yeah, and and but only only then to sort of like. Make a really piffy, piffy reply about like should you call ex women? It's like, okay, what what was the point in that? <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> whatever. So um, I, I don't know quite where it falls in the film, but we will just quickly deal with the um, the Jessica Chastain character. Uh, married woman living in the suburbs, if not the countryside, uh, having a dinner party. She goes outside, something seems to attack her, and she comes back in, clearly not herself. And it's because she's basically been shapeshifted into, hasn't she, in, by this other thing. The only thing I've noticed is I do believe, unless I've, unless it's the quality of my TV, that the only difference is they've removed her eyebrows, or at least sort of painted over them a bit. Um, the, the Vuck character, I think she's called... Um, is it's not exactly the same but she basically kills everyone at home and so this is some alien being now who will be the film's antagonist and very mm. very much undercooked i would suggest yeah um, it's just standard um emotionless kind of uh i i want i want this, this it's thing. a waste it's a waste of an actress of this caliber mm. Which makes, but I, again, this is probably down to the victim of um, of ideas not sort of being finalised and then just being cut to shit in the final edit. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, the, the probably was more to it than that the, they couldn't um, finish like the script or they just couldn't make their mind up what they wanted to do, so they just end up with I don't know, aliens want something and then aliens want power. I mean, maybe. Maybe. It's not the worst thing in the world. It ain't good, though, I would say that. Um, But there you go. So I guess the the salient point from here on in is they're obviously having some sort of party at the mansion Mm -hmm. uh, of an evening. 
um, outside to sort of, I presume, celebrate that they're all back safe and they did something, you know, the president was grateful mm-hmm. for. Uh, I can't remember the sort of, I can't remember the sort of order of events at this party, but it just, it does end up with like Gene attacking people. What really happens here? Um, well, it, it, doesn't she have a faint or can have a seizure? Yeah, well, she she ends up passed out. I know that. Um, but it, it's her struggling to cope with whatever's now in in mm. her, and I don't I don't think we need to say much more than that. And she passes out, and while she's out, Xavier um, tries to get into her mind to find what's going mm. on, and she's he, he sees she's very strong, and he also he sees that the sort of walls he built in her mind which he's almost talking about as though they're literal are kind of collapsing and there are images of things like the accident in there so pretty soon Jean will know the truth yeah she starts hearing her um uh i think it's a, a, a telepathic she, she hears her father's voice she starts hearing like sort of oh no he's still he's still like he's still around he's still here yeah um at this point we don't know that he is still alive um we, well, we're unsure of this. We, you know, we we we, 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 we assume that you know is that, that both parents died, but um, but Xavier tries to say no, that's that's not true. Both parents dead. Don't listen to it. So, um, but she doesn't listen, does she? No, I mean she just basically forces him out of her head. She's now stronger than he is, much mm-hmm. stronger than he is, and um, next thing they know, she's left. She's she's headed off. Um, and I think, given the details, I, I can't remember if he finds her with how they... No, he, he can't find her, can he? Mm. But they, they make a pretty good stab of where she's likely to have gone, which is... And I do need to look it up because I can't remember the name of the town. It is a small town. It's very much like... It's a little bit like the town you see at the end of the second um, Equalizer film. It's that sort of place. Um, what's it called? It doesn't really matter, but it's, it's small town living, basically, and she heads yeah. off there um to meet her father and her father is a for the small bit of screen time he's got is really good guy called scott shepherd plays the um plays the role um he's been in a number of things he was in bridge of spies he was in uh jason bourne the the last the latest bourne film uh uh what else am i i'm just looking now oh he was in el camino the breaking bad film spin-off thingy uh and various other things you will recognize him if you haven't seen this film before you listen to this he was also in side effects that was the gina carano film wasn't it wasn't no that was um oh, so steven it was steven soderbergh though it was but, yes but um it was uh channing tatum was in it in uh, jude law i think yeah Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you just answered the oh. question for me there. Sorry, yeah, I thought it was the same guy, but clearly not. No, what is the, what's the film I was thinking of then? You're thinking of Haywire. Haywire, that's it. Completely different. Okay. Yeah. Very different film as well, but yeah. similar sort of time. But had Michael Fassbender in it, so maybe that's why. Could be, could be. But anyway, he's a recognisable actor, and he's just immediately overcome with grief, and she's, you know, mm. she thinks he'll be pleased to see her. My, I misremembered this bit of the film. I, I thought she killed him. Uh, but she didn't. Uh, she she um, she's angry with him, uh, and he's just like he he couldn't keep her because she's a memory. She's a memory. Mm. He, he believes she killed uh, his mm-hmm. wife. Yeah. Which 
well, let's face it, she she did, however deliberate or not deliberate. And we do get sort of sort of flashbacks of uh, her hearing the conversation with Xavier, just saying, "Yeah, I can't, uh, you know, I can't, I can't keep her. I don't want to see her." Um, and as the house starts shaking, which we think is obviously the whole Dark Phoenix thing happening, it's not. It's the X Jet arriving, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I. Again, a bit of meta knowledge. They had, to my knowledge, three film deals they signed up for. That sounds pretty standard for Hollywood. So they all had to renegotiate after Apocalypse. Doesn't this play, like Jennifer Lawrence said, I'll come back if it's a glorified cameo and you kill me off? Yeah. We don't see her with the full blue. Now, I'm not saying I'm desperate to see her naked or anything, but it is part of the character that you see the full body with the prosthetics and the blue at least once. You don't see any of that. So she clearly doesn't want to do the makeup anymore. Um, She's in the first 15, 20 minutes of the film maximum, I I guess. That is a guess. And she's killed off. So I think everything... She's fine in the scene she's in, but it's it's yet another... Jennifer Lawrence really didn't want to do this, did she? No. Um... No, I mean, it just... but, but the thing is that we were all like expecting it to happen at the time. I think, I think even the trailer itself, we were like, she could have died. I mean, she... The trailer made it look really obvious, actually. I mm. don't, when I'm saying I don't remember the trailer, I remember that bit. I remember going, oh, Jennifer Lawrence is here. Oh, I see. Yeah, she's come back as long as you kill her. Yeah, she's done a Harrison Ford. Like, yeah, I'll come back if you kill me off. Yeah. So there you go. That's that. Um,. We've just got a fairly perfunctory battle sequence now. They they're all trying to sort of mm. talk her down and restrain her, and she's going through the repertoire of her new powers and and being surprisingly brutal and lacking in control. Because she kills Raven, she, she clearly doesn't mean to kill Raven. It's just a sort of power blast that knocks her back and then pale it, on something. It, 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 it's kind of like ah, oh, get away, and then just yeah, just yeah. Um. She, she she kind of like takes out um, Quicksilver though. It, it, he, she meant it in the same way that Tobey Maguire quote unquote meant to hit like Mary Jane in that Spider Man film. It's just kind of a it's just kind of a lash out that that you didn't really see what you were doing. Um, something and nothing really. Uh, and then what? Where does the scene end up? It ends up with the sort of Dabari, which is this alien race. They're shapeshifters, which goes into what Chris is saying. It, it's the scrolls by another name, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, um, they, they have talk- like weird manipulative power. They can like sort of, like, sort of manipulate the, the like like objects or people's bodies in a weird way. You can kind of twist them. That in a, in a, that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We'll see yeah, that, that later. That was kind of very creepy, but yeah, I think they were sort of very derivative. I thought it was similar to the scrolls, but I liked like when you first see them appear on screen. I thought they they looked they're sort of very ethereal, very otherworldly, very creepy. I thought they were very um, terrifyingly realised. But I kind of thought they were a little bit derivative, so I felt it kind of undermined them a little bit, unfortunately. But they're still very scary, they. Um, they're all right. I just think like most things in this film, they're a bit undercooked. They're not. Yeah, they're not terrible. Not they're not. Really. I mean, they're, I mean visually, when I, when I, visually, they kind of look very scary. But I think in terms of like characterization, I just kind of found them a bit underwhelming. Well, l- l- remember how we spoke about like Apocalypse in the last film? Like the makeup's yeah. ridiculous and everything else. There's nothing inherently ridiculous about these. They're just a bit undercooked. They're yeah. trying to get this power, and it's something to do with the fact that it 
it destroyed their home world and it grants abilities. It's, it's, it's quite generic, isn't it? It's a we bit don't like, go well, much deeper than, than that, that, do we? No. No. So that's their, their motives and agency is a little bit like, oh, okay. <laughs> Next. And? Yeah, I mean, that, they look very it, creepy. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, 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 how they sort of gather around and kind of thing. They saw is is very memorable, menacing. Um, but other than that, that's about it. We you know, we kind of like we, we wait for a motive, but it it is kind of very generic. Bad guys want uh, object of power, uh, use object power to do evil things. Therefore, they must be stopped. It's pretty much that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not convinced their goals are that clear, but they just want this power, um, and they, they feel that it's in this girl, and she's special because she's a mutant, and they turn up at the town, effectively um, pretending to be like I don't know FBI or whatever they, whatever mm. that would be, law enforcement of some kind, and they go in and they do actually kill um, her father. Uh, but yeah. the X-Men the X-Men have already sort of disappeared by now. Um what happened to Jean? Is she she uh, So she goes to well she has a bit of a cry in the rain, kind of like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um and then she does she goes to see Magneto. She does. Um what do we want to say about that? Magneto is I don't know, I don't know what sort of compound he's living in. It's very strange looking. Um He's, Very, he's, he's kind, kind of a, it's, it's kind of a clearing in the woods uh, with a sort of open area. It's a bit of an anarcho syndicalist commune. Well, it's sort of it's conveniently got somewhere you can land a helicopter. No, I've got a fun uh, fact about that coming up later on because it's based on um, apparently a friend tells me um, it's based on somewhere in, in the comics, but it's meant to be kind of like sort of a, a haven almost. Obviously, he's trying not to hurt so many people, but it's more like a sort of a haven for other sort of refugee mutants, for example. So they've gone, they've gone back to the land. Um, it's a safe space, you know, where they can they can legally sort of it, live, out, live out their years. It, it, so. It's basically his own version of um, of of uh, Xavier's school, isn't it? Really. It's just like yeah, it's the flip side. A place where Milton's can mutants can go and just be left alone. He's like, well, you know, it's like it, 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 you know, it, it kind of like um, it, it's, it, there's there's a bit. It says in the dialogue that um, it, you know, he's like, well, we we have agreement, we own this land, and you just leave us alone. You know, it's like that's that's it. We just like we live here. We don't interact with any of you. We don't no, interact with like anyone else. Res- reservation almost, but not quite. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that we just live off the land and kind of thing, um, which is, I suppose, is okay. Um, and then uh, Gene, Gene turns up and he's like, whose blood is that? She's a bit unsure telling him and then the helicopters come. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't say, she doesn't reveal at this stage she's no. killed Raven. Uh I feel like she's a bit super... Uh, they need Michael Fassbender in this film. I'm glad he's in this film. He's terrific in this film. He's got an even bigger ageing issue than than McAvoy in some respects because there isn't the baldness there, obviously. This guy's going to be 60-something-year-old Ian McKellen in a few weeks. <laughs> in a few years, sorry. Um, whereas he's still sort of peak James Bond age. Um but he's a little bit he feels a bit superfluous to the film actually 
and and that's a shame. And the film isn't quite smart enough to draw the parallel that Chris was smart enough to spot because I didn't I didn't think about it. The idea that this is kind of a a bloodshot version of the school for gifted children uh, or gifted youngsters or whatever it is that had not occurred to me. But at a thematic level, I think that probably is what they're going for, and I, I just didn't spot it at all. I don't know that he's got a massive purpose in this film, to be honest. Um, other than just to be there and be Magneto. Uh, but yeah, the um, the military show up because they're looking for for Jean. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't remember if they they turn up because they've they've spotted her or there's intel that that they've seen she's in the area or is it just like oh just just on an off chance kind of pass i don't remember i don't remember because mm. it's not um it's not overly consistent on what uh it, what her mm. powers are in terms of blocking charles she can clearly block charles quite successfully but I, i'm not sure it doesn't matter but they do obviously get to it um how did, how did she end up captured doesn't she well, um, yes. Yeah, so again, what what happens is in in there, um, she reveal she kind of reveals herself and starts destroying one helicopter and starts threatening the others. Well, Rito basically essentially saves them, tells them to to, to get out there, and then um, and sends Jean away, saying like, "What the fuck are you doing? Get get lost." Um, and so she 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 goes off again, um, and then um, then then um, Hank goes and visits her because uh, he's pissed that he that um, Mystique is now dad dad is now dead, um, and is kind of going going against um, Xavier by sort of trying to join forces with Magneto, and and it's from Hank that tells her that it's Mystique who's who's been killed. So, so uh, Magne- uh, Eric or Magneto goes after Gene um, to get revenge. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, and Gene is found by um, the aliens. Um, she's like posing as an old man, doing like a child's thing by sort of projecting on everyone that she's an old man uh, in a bar. Uh, but the the aliens find her and, and and say, "Oh, we can we can help you." As they take her to um, a place in New York. Right. Okay. Film started to lose me. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is actually starting to wrap up now because what happens now is like you have you have the the battle like that uh, that is just by Central Park essentially. Uh, in, in that sort of building unit um, where you got uh, Xavier and Magneto fighting each other to get in to try and save Jean, and then this is the Jean... bit I f- this is the bit I found hilarious when she when she draws him out of the wheelchair to walk yeah. up the stairs, I laughed out loud in the cinema. Oh, that's th- that's not right, is it? It didn't strike me as as funny this time. Maybe because I knew it was coming. Because I I remember saying like to my wife, I was saying like this is unintentionally hilarious, and then it wasn't quite as funny as I remember. But I laughed the first time. It just it, it didn't play too well at all. It played so it played comedic when it's meant to be kind of a bit scary because it's it's body it's 
bodily possession. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's basically making him walk, um, which is uh, it's, it's fine. I mean, you know, he could just take an injection in the spine and could get that sorted <laughs> a couple of films ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. They've, they've just forgotten everything now at this point. But, yeah, they, they're just trying to... She's trying to convince, you know, Jean to be evil. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know... Um, it's to do with her wanting the power we do believe but I don't really it's it's not that I mean Eric goes in to sort of furious um, and starts you know she gets to hear more of the conversation and and of of the conversation with the father and there's there's a bit of like a bit more empathy in what Eric is saying like the father gave up on her but Charles didn't Charles said no there's there's still potential there's still good in her you don't you know she's not worth you know it's not worth giving up on her kind of and charles is a gentleman here because the way on the face of it her father does not sound particularly uh sympathetic we understand why um but he he, he just doesn't and mm. uh but charles deals with it with class he, he doesn't uh, you know just go and agree with him or anything but he does sort of understand and he just goes okay and I, I, I can help this girl um, and offers to take her yeah so she, she has a moment of so she snaps out of it and then says I don't I don't want whatever this this inside inside of me um, can you take it for me the, the, the alien and she, and, and yet yeah, so um, Jessica Chastain starts absorbing the energy and then Charles sort of is able to to see what is what will happen after that, like from that, which was like they're going to sh- destroy human, they're going to destroy the world uh, yeah. by by enslaving everyone with, with the power. Okay, whatever. So that is not well. It is. It's rinse and repeat of earlier plots, really. But not, not to worry. It, the the main the main focus of a um, the main focus of a Dark Phoenix story is always going to be. Jean Grey. It isn't really ever going to be the antagonist mm. where she isn't it. Um, so, no biggie, I suppose. How does she end up knocked out? Because she ends up on a train, doesn't she? Yeah, I think because... Oh, uh, well, hang on. Before that, uh, Mag- Magneto is furious and trying to, like, you know, he's, tr- he's he's manipulating the metal in the banisters to tie her up and stuff like that. Mm. And she starts, like, crushing the thing on his head, you know, the... Yeah. the the thing to stop Charles getting in, so she's obviously far too powerful for him. Blast him out the window. He don't, it, you know, if that was a real human being, you'd break most of the bones in your body. Yeah. Um, but again, it's not wildly over the top. It isn't like you know Iron Man falling from space to be caught by the Hulk at hundreds of miles an hour. Um, it, it's okay, but yeah, it was quite a big impact. Um, yeah, she's kind of a bit overpowered by her abilities. Um, Xavier, yeah, that's it. Vince's Reeves the memory, that's it. Yeah. Cyclops blast um, just saying the yeah. sort of saves her, but but then everyone's kind of like captured by the yeah by forces. the yeah by uh, the the government because they've just basically had a big huge massive fight in the middle yeah, of New York. Yeah, because Jessica Chastain is absorbing Jean's powers at this point because mm. she just wants rid of it once she realizes what's going on. The part of her mm. own personality. I, pre- I presume that that process is partly to signal what she wants, but it's also you got to downpower Jean for a minute because there's no way the government would be able to take her. 
Yeah, I think so. I think she kind of passes out. Yeah. You know, conveniently. Um, and so you all put these sort of um, these these new devices on where which kind of like sort of stops them from using their powers. Almost like sort of collar things, uh, jeans or um, tied up and a. So if, if, yeah. if so, if Charles had one of those powers. Uh, one of those collars, we could have stopped all this nasty business right at the start of the film. Yes. All right. They just just go show how modern technology is uh, <laughs> the saviour for us all. <laughs> is it me, or did anyone those collars? Did they remind anybody else of like Battle Royale and those those kind of films? I just kind of got one of those, that kind of weird vibe out of the blue. Recommendation well, for while you're on the subject, and Chris, you can answer that in a second. But I will just say to anyone listening, we don't often promote films we're not covering because we've had people spend money on films based on hearing me and Chris talking about it or something. And I'm I'm always reluctant to do that. But do see Battle Royale if you haven't seen it. It's terrific. Two thousand and one, two thousand and one um, Korean film. I think. Uh, I uh, Japanese film. It's Japanese or Korean. I can't remember. Go 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 Yabari from Kill Bill One's in it. That, that's where Quentin Tarantino found her. Um, yes, yeah. brilliant film. The only thing it reminded me of that was, um, it was it wasn't it oh, something similar in Deadpool two. Oh yeah, yeah that as well. So unless, unless it's like a reference to that or something. It might have been actually. It was probably it was probably more Deadpool two rather than Battle Royale. But that's just kind of sort of thing it made me think of. I don't know. It's a bit random. Yeah. I know. Sorry. Again, that was how kind of my focus was taken away from the film. I kind of thought, oh, a completely different well, film with a different I mean, genre. Suicide Squad has the same sort of thing, though, doesn't it? So that's true. That's true. Um, that's yeah, it was, with, with with the detonators in the, in the head. Um, but uh, yeah, so essentially, what you have now is the climax of the film, where they're all tied up. Uh, the aliens are going to come and take Jean. Um, obviously, they're too powerful. Uh, for... All, all I all I want to say about this before we get into the detail is this was reshoot. The the um the original version of the film did not take place on a train. This is this is when they were desperately trying to save the film, and actually damaging the film in the process. Because what I didn't say is the film cost two hundred million dollars and only took two hundred and fifty, which is pretty anemic for an X Men film. Hmm. And I think a lot of that was everything we've talked about. So you know the um the sort of waning interest. But I think quite on top of that, the film was just dogged with bag press all the time. And if you're openly admitting that you're completely retooling your film or that information gets out there, everyone thought they had a clusterfuck on their hands. Mm. Um, and of course, the end result, you, you can't help but kind of think it's not too bad just because what you were expecting was like absolutely abysmal. But yeah, the the train sequence at the end of the film is like filmed like a year or so after the rest of it because it is a reshoot. So do you have any idea what it was going to be instead then? Uh, it was a similar sort of set piece in a different location, but I can't remember. I'm just going to... So, so it was on a train? Uh, original ending. Uh, let me just say. The original managed to control... Hang on a minute. Concept art reveals the ending that could have been. Uh, it was going to be, yeah, something more concept. Oh, there was going to be an invasion from an alien armada. That was concept art. They didn't film that. Uh, the original ending scrapped scrolls reveal. I don't know. I, I do remember, though, that the whole... When they first... I think I may even be right in saying when they first 
you know, wrapped the film. They'd shot something else, mm. and they may even have cut trailers with some of the original stuff in it. But whatever the case, um, this this is them trying to... It's not a reshoot as in I've got a better idea or let's try something different. This was a let's desperately try and save our film and make it cohesive. So I think if, if this is less than um, thrilling, inventive, special, there, there's a good reason why. They just had to come up with this quite quickly. Um, yeah. It, it's not... you know When you think of train sequences, a lot of people think of things like Spider-Man 2, The Wolverine... Um, I'm trying to think what else now. Um, there's been, oh, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, I suppose perhaps Solo, the Star Wars film, has a kind of a semi sort of train sequence in it. This, this is not one of the better examples. Um, but the film is at least, the one thing I'll say before we go into any of the detail of it is, the film is at least trying to continue to tell st- a story while it's doing it. You know, it doesn't just switch off its brain. You know, they're trying to reach Gene and there's beats to the action. Um, it, it does hang together all right, but it, it's it's not wildly exciting, mm. I have to say. And so, yeah, I mean, it's not really much more to say. So there's basically a big action scene um, now. Um, the, 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 the Marines basically get all killed off fairly quickly just in time enough for one of them to release um, uh, the X-Men. Uh, there's there's a bit of mention of like, how the X-Men have kind of weaned in um, public opinion now. They've, they've seen as more of like... Um, since we did see a shot where um, Charles is trying to ring the White House and mm. they're like, this line won't be used anymore and then they just hang up on him. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, Warner Soldier says to uh, Nightcrawler, my son used to look up to you kind of thing. Mm. Um and there's that, and so there's, so there's there's that going on. They managed to free the the X Men, um, fight off the the aliens, um, and they managed to get to Gene uh, just just in time, and then Gene basically sort of takes over everything, and she and she basically just destroys the aliens and just Justine while sort of taking her up into space and releasing the, the energy. Up in space, presumably destroying them both. Yeah. And that's the idea. Um, yeah, and and that's really Dark Phoenix. That's just it. Um, you know, she she does she does confer with Charles and forgive him. Hank is uh, the new uh, dean of the school. Uh, Charles retires and plays chess with. Eric, yeah, they're in yeah, Par- they're in Paris for some reason. Um, at a cafe, Eric joins him and says, "You know, let me help you. Oh, you once helped me." And they they want a game of they start playing a game of chess, and then the Dark Phoenix appears. Uh, you know, the Phoenix, the flaming Phoenix figure appears in the sky. So, Gene has clearly survived in one form or another. And that, I mean, we've got another film to do, but that is the end of effectively uh, Fox's tenure over. X-Men certainly in terms of the main body of the films um, just uh, I mean I haven't got an awful lot to add but just just some final thoughts from me It it's a very very difficult film to review certainly in written form because no matter how objectively and professionally you try to approach it you, you can't switch off what your expectations were so if you go in expecting an amazing film, 
you, your review will reflect some of that expectation. You may be sort of let down when it isn't or whatever. And it's the same the other way around. I went in expecting a real dumpster fire of a film. And what I got was like competent. You know, the effects were worked and the performances were pretty good. The dialogue wasn't great, but it, it wasn't out of kilter with what you get in an awful lot of superhero films. They handled the Dark Phoenix storyline in a reasonably cohesive way, even though there were clearly um, logic black holes anyway, bits where I'm not quite sure of the logic. You know, was she the Dark Phoenix before this blast? Did it just bring her out? Is the power what amplifies her, or is it an, an independent sort of sentient being within her? None of that is particularly clear. The meta-narrative of people like Jennifer Lawrence... Maybe I'm doing her down, because I think Jennifer Lawrence is a perfectly decent actress, but I, I really... I've never believed she wanted to be here. In the same way that I'm really surprised Natalie Portman's doing the fourth Thor film, because she always comes across these things are a bit beneath her. Um, well, and she's, she's basically got being promised to lead and all that, hasn't she? So she's like, possibly. you're going to be four. Yeah, and it's just like, well, stop signing up for you know, multiple instalments in franchises then, because that's what can happen. But anyway, um, I, I might be being unfair to all of them. This is just perception. You know, we were introduced to that character who was not naked, but the actress is required to be covered in prosthetics while naked and entirely blue. And Jennifer Lawrence has done less and less of that with each film, less time in the makeup, sometimes a less engaged performance although she's fine in the bit she does here so you got a feeling of a crew that sort of only half want to be there i thought mcavoy tried really hard but there were a couple of scenes certainly on first viewing where his dialogue he seemed to be struggling with it a bit i think that maybe around the table with hank might have been that sequence i can't remember now and then it all leads to like a perfunctory retelling of a story we've sort of seen before with an action sequence that's nothing special but again, I was expecting an incoherent mess with a void, a personality void as the lead. And she's all right in it. And everyone's all right in it. And it all makes logical sense. And they've actually taken the time to do the effects properly. And so, like I say, having to round up, I came up as a three-star film. I thought two-star would be kind of cruel because it's not terrible. Plus but it ain't it's short as well. <laughs> but, and it's short, so it doesn't wear out any kind of welcome. Do I, thing is, I'll probably never watch it again. Because if I ever find myself... I'm not particularly completist on the X-Men films. You know, I, I can imagine if I ever want to watch an X-Men film, it'll be, let's just watch X2. Or let's just watch First Class. And if I'll watch First Class, there's a good chance I'll watch Days of Future Past, but I probably won't go any further. I don't feel the need to watch the last stand to tie up the threads that are in X2 either. You know, the film stands alone just fine. It hints at further instalments, but you don't need to see them necessarily. Sometimes teases are all you need. So I, I've got to just damn it with faint praise. It was a competent film that from everything we were hearing had absolutely no right and no to be competent and no expectation that it would be. So it's okay. Um, but okay is not good. But okay, more importantly, isn't terrible. And despite all the sort of timeline errors, you know, the two old friends having a game of chess in Paris with a little hint of, you know, that imagery we've seen before and their, you know, their, their protégé might be alive, I thought was a nice way to sign off the film at the end of quite an ordinary instalment. Had it finished with Apocalypse, it would have been Jesus, how the mighty have fallen. Well, they have fallen, but what they've come up with, okay. It was okay. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, 
it was difficult because I, you know, I did kind of want to see this in cinemas, but I just kind of, I, you know, heard about all the the trouble production, um, and all the problems like with the script and everything as well, and how you know it's kind of changed hands direct, directorially, um, and then I kind of swerved it and sort of glad I did a little bit. And but I think going into this, um, I I probably will watch it again because I kind of felt like my heart really wasn't in it. I'm not quite sure why. Um, but see, was anyone's? Like, pardon. Was anyone's? Well, it sounds like it's, you know, it's one of those films where, like, obviously, it had a lot of problems in production behind the scenes, and perhaps, you know, it might be like a, you know, Quantum of Solace type story whereby, um, what went on behind the camera was really more interested to, you know, what happened on, um, in front of it, um, actually what we saw on the screen. Um, although having said that, there's lots to enjoy about Quantum. I'm not tarring it with the same brush. By any, that was a poor analogy. Apologies. Uh, I'd retract that immediately. Quantum of Solace is a is strangely, in some respects, a less competent film than this, but it's far, far, far better. <laughs> For sure, I mean yeah. the, the scope and ambition is is far higher, yeah. definitely. Um, although, yeah, I mean, as I say, there's still still lots to enjoy about Dark Phoenix. I mean, it does kind of round out the the, the you know the, the series, um, and anything more we'll get now will be taken on by Disney, um, as we've kind of seen threads of that with with the with Spider Man. Um, yeah, but performance is really great. Fast Wonder, I totally forgot he was in this, so when he, when he turned up with his anarcho-syndicalist commune... Because um, you could take him out with no issue at all. Exactly. I mean, I suppose you'd have the pathos of uh, Raven was very much sort of his, if you like. Yeah, And definitely. she was killed. And like, I, kind of, I do agree with what you, what you mean about... He could have turned up in the actress, final scene. Definitely, but I feel she was a bit unused. He could have um, turned Fassbender up in the final scene. Honestly, if Fassbender had just turned up in the final scene, as it as it turned out, Magneto was now living in Paris. Yeah, that would have heard, elevated things. Heard Charles was heard Charles was there. You yeah. needed him for that final scene, but actually, that could have just been a little cameo at the end. It could, yeah, even if it was that. I mean, you know, that that would have elevated things sort of beyond belief, really. Um, but you know, these things happen definitely. But yeah, all performances are really solid. Um, the score for Zimmer, I'm sorry to say, it was largely forgettable. So I, I do apologise. I don't remember it now. <laughs> Well, sadly, no, no unfortunately. Um, uh, yeah, I do kind of feel it was waning a little bit that way. Um, but yeah, still, you know, great performances. Um, so for me, it's my impressive, impressive visuals, I think, of, of the whole series. Um, one that's known for, for particularly is, you know, really strong um, visual prowess, definitely, and, and use of effects. I mean, we've got to look at Logan, obviously, was made a lot more kind of organic and, and tried to do as many effects in camera as they could. Um, but, you know, you still get a lot of... It, for me, it kind of works best when when it's sort of seamless, really, when you don't notice it. That's when it kind of jumps out of the screen. And uh, you know, as you mentioned, David, I, I would agree as well. There's there's only two, perhaps two or three little moments where you think, oh, not too sure about that. But the, you know, the rest of it is seamless and really quite incredible and fantastical. Um, it reminds me of some of the you know the best vis- visuals, uh, some of the you know most brilliant sort of sci-fi movies that you could think of out there. Um, so it's up there with you know the genre. Um, that was it, really, for me. It kind of, yeah, went out on a on a whimper, really, rather than with a bang. So, I, there's a part of me that wonders... I'll probably come back to it and, and revisit, you know, at, at some point, just to say, right, okay, I'll just start with a clean slate, see if I, you know, if it really was rubbish or if, I, if it was just me. Well, I think it's more the fact that I, I've got strange feelings about the film just because... <sighs> You, d- you never want a film to be bad as, as funny as it, as it no. is sometimes to take the piss out of a film and I'm glad we've done bad films because they're entertaining to do but at the same time I would never want to be a quote unquote 
how did this get made bad movie podcast because I just think that there's more to I'd rather enjoy things yeah and I, I do feel a little bit like uh, that said I was kind of looking forward to a mess I really was. I was like, this is going to be appalling. This is going to be kind of funny. And to come out with a slightly underwhelming superhero film was a bit of a disappointment in some respects. It's like, oh, oh my God, you just, just you, you know, you're a bit too competent for me to really... Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, look, yeah, to, to be fair, Dave, we do, um, we, we take we take the mick out of uh, really good films as, as well. So I think that that's our happy medium, isn't it? We, we do like to, we, are, mm. we, we just like to take the piss and, you know, equal opportunity or all that. Uh, yes. So my thoughts, I think everyone's pretty much, I think it's pretty much all I've been said, really. Um, I think I enjoy this probably in a kind of, in a very throwaway kind of, Kind of thing. Am, am I gonna, gonna go and rewatch it? No, but if I stick it on, you know, it, it, it it's not, it, you know, it, it it's fine. It, it, it does its job. I like the, the certain elements, like like the expo, which I just get a kick out of. I just like think that's just ridiculous. <laughs> they know, really um, should have got to the. They should have gone to the uh, the X jet through like uh, sliding down a pole. They really yeah. should have. Yeah, I mean, like in, in a way, I almost admire it for. I mean, I don't think it was their intention, but I always admire it just for its sheer, just like cheesiness. You know, it's, it's almost like we're getting near levels of Batman and Robin territory where, where it's just so comically stupid that it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, again, it's not quite as funny as it could have been because the film does it fairly straight. Yes. And it's like, oh, lean into the camp if you want to do silly things like this. But yeah. yeah. But that that is me looking for the train wreck. Um, I mean, I, I, I think, I, yeah, I, I think there is a, a takeaway from this film. I think there is something to, you can still make this, uh, these big superhero movies and not have it two hours plus. You know, you can do it in under two hours. You know, it doesn't have to have... A, you know, a load of load of important stuff, or a lot of with a lot of pretense of having something important to say, while albeit not actually say anything that remotely important most of the time. You know, just just give us an entertaining under two hours uh, movie that that moves along at a quick pace, and it, it does and, that. And you know what? And and what do you lose from that? You don't really, you know, it's like what, I mean, what there was you... rumours they were going to scrap it at one point. And I don't know if there was any validity in that. Like, I don't mm. know if that was a genuine conversation that had been had or whether it was mischief-making that went viral. But at one point, they were seriously talking about, or I, we believe they were seriously talking about just um, taking it as just a sunk cost and moving on. Can you imagine doing that with the, with the people that I are mean, in this film? And the, Yeah, but there'll be, there'll be, can you imagine there'll be petitions, wouldn't it? be like, we want to see the dark I mean, it's, it's, re- it's released the Snyder Cut, isn't it? I mean, well, the, the thing is, it's like you can't, yeah, you can't have like, hang on. So there's a sizable feature-length movie filmed. Like people want to see, want to see what it is. So you'd have to release something. I think. Yeah, I think it's once you release it, you're in for all the marketing costs and all the rest of it, and, mm. and there's a there's a danger of losing even more money. Yeah. But... 
yeah. But you know that that that's why you plan these things ahead. You you start with a script that you're happy with and you stick to it. Yeah. You know, call me yeah. old fashioned, but you know, that, that, that's what you do. You stand by. You've your got quite. You've got quite a fresh approach to to, to filmmaking, there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> What? What? I'm not making my committee, or yeah, yeah, just like or or start shooting right finished script. Who would do such a thing? Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't know if I want to know anything about this film, dear Chris. Um. Well, I think we're gonna. All right then. Becca. Yes, I did manage to find out some fun facts about a not so fun film. <laughs> oh dear. Mm. Um. Okay, yeah, not <laughs> varying degrees of fun. Uh, fun fact number one, first X-Men movie not to feature Wolverine Logan due to Hugh Jackman retirement from the role in 2017. Uh, spelling mistakes abound, apologies. Um, fun fact number two, the film's budget was sent to be much smaller than the previous film due to Apocalypse's underperformance. Um, apparently, the executives initially planned to release it directly to home release and streaming. Um, obviously, when the film was released, it was the second lowest grossing X-Men movie Um Obviously only beaten by New Mutants, which came out last year during the pandemic. Um, fun fact number three, Magneto's... <laughs> I call it a Narcosyndicus commune from Monty Python, but it's not. Um, it's apparently Genosha, um, based on the comics, um, obviously became a home for refugee mutants. But, you know, I think Chris is very astute in picking up the fact that it was meant to be almost kind of a, his own, very much his own version um, for, for, you know, gifted youngsters, for, um, for other other tens- individuals, um, other mutants, um, who perhaps have not been able to, you know, who have been displaced or had not found a home elsewhere. Um, but, you know, I think that's a very good point and it's very important that that's made. Um, fun fact number four, Jessica Chastain had mentioned in interviews that she only really agreed to do this film um, with a view to work with Simon Kinberg, um, expressing prior that she hadn't expressed an interest into doing, you know, specifically superhero movies. Um, fun fact number five, um, also having a look at various interviews around this film with director writer Simon Kinberg, he expressed that he approached this film in terms of the, with the character drama with um, the Batman movies in mind. So like Batman Begins, for example. I was going to say which ones though. Yeah, which ones? <laughs> Batman. That's a wide scope. The <laughs> only one we've hinted at tonight is the <laughs> no, 1966 no, no. one. Only <laughs> shark bat spray Batman. Um, oh yeah, somebody on one of the Bond threads. Um, off off topic um received a, a book about the you know Batman the 60s Batman movie oh, there's yeah. all list of all like the, the holy you know whatever it is holy xxx that, holy um, that Robin says Batman. I think that's pretty cool there's yeah, a whole list of holies which I think is very cool yeah. um holy guacamole yeah holy hand grenades in one of them um holy hairstyle which I think is pretty cool yeah. um and yeah, that's a bit off topic. Um, yeah, so what he's, he, had, he went into, he was basically trying to frame the character drama um, within like the um, eh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Um, so for this film, it was more um, like Batman Begins, for example. But he said that apparently the, the final scene, like with the cafe, for example, that was due to end up in the film, was meant to be a reference to Dark Knight Rises. So I don't know how well that was kind of filtered through, really. Um, I would say not very, but... Oh. It's, quite, it's usually all the same score anyway, isn't it? No, I was going to say, it looked very similar, it sounded quite similar, almost. It was the in the wrong country, film. but we won't. We can't have everything. No, can't, <laughs> can't all be Paris. So, But yeah, so it was kind of semi-fun facts about the film, which you can go and read on imdb.com. 
Well, yeah, we we did pull this together together quite quickly. We finished off Logan tonight, but there you go. Not not literally. We didn't. I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> something to do. Well, you could. Fair enough. Thanks very much. I bet I could. If you wanted to. I bet I could. He's about my league. <laughs> but you think he's in my league? All right, fair enough. <laughs> You're a bit higher up than I am. He's not even the gender I want. Anyway, <laughs> um, you can find me at the Pasty Kid, nineteen seventy six, on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics. You can find us on Podbean as um, as well as uh, all the other episodes you can find on there. We're slowly re-uploading them all so at this current time. But yes, if you stick with us, they will all be, all be there by uh, January, I believe. Yeah, I think but it, it, four episodes over. Hopefully, uh, most of you follow us on one form of social media and we have been letting people know on there that, and I've just, just done it during the recording of this, that they will go on YouTube pretty much straight away. So Logan may not be there till January, but hopefully you'll have already seen this because you'll have, have seen it through YouTube. If you're not too bothered and you're quite happy to just sort of pick it up in your podcast feeds, fine. Happy New Year, folks. Um, talking of which, having said Happy New Year, it's uh, Christmas soon. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Christmas is coming. Yeah. Where can they find us before we get to that? Yes, so you can find us on Facebook, Do You Expect Us To Talk, Twitter, at Expect Us To Talk, on YouTube, Do You Expect Us To Talk, and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbeans, Chris Mentioned, Podbay, anywhere you like to listen to us. Um, wherever you do find us, please kindly give us a nice rating, a nice review, to like us and to share us, like the hooktarts we are <laughs> on social media. Do, um, do interact with us. We always like to hear from you. Um, we'll be going through you know, the series that you're you know that we'll be covering over the next year or so um likewise if there's a series that you want us to cover um or perhaps that we haven't done and you might want to let us know about considering um you can always get in touch with us on social media or drop us an email expect to talk at gmail.com we do bear them in mind we have i can't think of what the example would be but uh, 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 there's at least one in our list where someone asked and we haven't thought of it so there, there are things we are slated to do because somebody said are you doing that so it, you you can certainly influence what um, what we might consider doing. Um, we'll come to what next in a minute, but just in terms of where we are, because it's been so long, we have one X-Men film left to do, kind of a spin-off one, New Mutants, but we're not doing that next. Uh, when we do come to it, we're going to follow that with a Bond commentary that's going to be Becca's choice, because we haven't done one since the late Sean passed away, which is, what, 15 month, 14 months ago now. Mm-hmm. Um and then we will move on to the Bourne series. Uh, <laughs> so that, that that's what's coming next. All the rest of it we can announce closer to the time. But as we're recording this, and we've got two episodes to come out ahead of the one we're about to talk about, um, we are going to record for Christmas next. And it is Becca's Choice, which means Becca. Yes, it means DXS Talk will return with a Christmas commentary, which is my choice, which is... Gremlins. <laughs>